Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. TangiboundNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we're excited for E3 2018. We break down the latest Funko documentary, and why is Josh so upset at a girl with a dragon tattoo? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly thank you for tuning into our shows each and every week. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the Supreme Command Leader of Humanica Media. I hope I got that right. It's Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Or sir, sir, should I say sir? That's right, you gotta salute, you gotta salute. All right, I accept what's going on, man. I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing okay. I'm kind of all warm and fuzzy with my Xbox Ones right now after that conference. Some good, maybe not so good. Maybe some things I still wanted left to hear. We'll talk about that more here in a sec. Also as well, we've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to be talking about the Funko Pop documentary itself that's now currently on Netflix. Plus, we've got Greg Hall from We Podcast and We Know Things, that great podcast available now on CastBox and so many other outlets. He's going to be breaking down more on what he hopes for E3 2018 this week. And also, speaking of E3 2018, I know Josh is heading down there to E3 2018 in Los Angeles this week. But also as well, our good friend Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games, he's going to be talking about what he's looking forward to when he hits the showroom floor at E3. But Josh, I will tell you, it was the Xbox press conference. Some hits, some misses, but for us, it all starts with Gears and Halo. With Halo Infinite and Gears of War 5 both being announced, but neither given a release date this year. Is that kind of concerning for you, or do you think that they're going to be able to put it out anytime soon? So Microsoft kind of pulled a Sony on us. You know, they showed us a lot of really cool games, but with vague, if any, release windows. I don't think we're going to see either of those games this year. And for me personally, like, oh, cool, a Halo game, but what is it? They, they didn't really, you know, they they had this habit. They show the the little cinematics, and then the next year at E3, they'll show the the gameplay, and then that fall, the game usually comes out. So I'm wondering if they're going to stick to that release schedule. As for Gears, I cannot tell you how disappointed I am in that trailer. I don't know what, like, I maybe that was just because there's a, a video taken out of context, but I like Kate as a character, 
I don't want to see the Phoenixes turned into these like just side characters because we got attached to uh, JD in the fir- in Gears of War four, and now it seems like they they're all back in the coalition or whatever. I I don't know, man. I'm just not. I want to see like they they have this really powerful moment in the end of Gears four where like JD clearly cares a lot about Kate. Then they showed us this, and he's all bald and he's scarred up. Like, what happened? Why is this going on? But is he going to be like? Are we going to have get any more depth to that character, or is this just going to be? I know the game's all about Kate, but I wanted to see that relationship bloom a little bit more. But now it seems like we're just getting another like a Tomb Raider in the Gears of War universe. I don't think it was the best cinematic to show people. That is something that tells me that the game is closer to release, whether it's going to be an early 2019 release. I'm not sure, but it tells me that they're closer to a release for that game than they are Halo. But what it also tells me is that it just really didn't resonate with the fans because I I heard mild clapping. I didn't hear much of an enthusiasm for it. Plus, Gears of War 5 wasn't the game that closed out E3 for Xbox. It was actually Cyberpunk 2077 by CD Projekt Red, which isn't even their title. So it was kind of interesting to see that they didn't even close the show with one of their biggest properties. And the fact that they just wanted to go ahead and push the mobile game, which coincidentally to our show, is also based off of Funko Pop with the Gears of War franchise. That's going to be a mobile game coming out next year plus a tactical RPG as well within the Gears of War universe, they seem to be more into that and just show us this cutscene, which was kind of out of place for what we wanted to really see of Gears of War 5. They did show a little bit of action from the game, but it was very small and minute compared to what they showed out of the cinematic trailer, which quite frankly was kind of just there and really didn't grab the players or the gamers or me for that matter at all whatsoever. No, I'm on the same page. I I was glad to see that it was happening and I got really stoked when he said Gears 5, but then I saw that and I just it feels not Gears to me. Like it it kind of like what 343 did with Halo 5. The story feels like something that they're just going to just beat it to death and not give us just for the sake of moving the narrative forward instead of giving fans the stories that they truly deserve out of these franchises that they've been following for the past, you know, 10, 12 years or even longer than that. One of the best video game releases, well, actually recent memory is the Mad World trailer for Gears of War series. And that was what something I was hoping for in that realm. I know a lot of other video game companies have tried to follow suit with something similar with a beautiful song, a rendition of a remake or whatever, and try to incorporate their gripping parts of their series. Or even if it's just a trailer made up out of nowhere, they just wanted to go ahead and try and get that emotional connection. I was hoping for something like that with Gears of War 5, but instead we just got a cutscene that we're going to be playing in the game. And it wasn't, to me, that compelling. It just seemed like, okay, if you played Gears of War 4, then you must know what's going on, so you must be already involved and invested into it. If you're someone that maybe stepped out on Gears of War 4 and wants to get back into the Gears of War series, you're kind of lost on what's going on. It just really was kind of out of place. I expected the trailer to grab me when it comes to Gears of War 5, and I really didn't get it. 
Yeah, exactly. And from what I understand, I've been reading all these articles on Polygon and GameSpot, and they're saying that apparently Microsoft has big plans for the Gears of War franchise, but just by watching that trailer and the, the footage, it doesn't seem like it. Because not only was the, you know, does it seem like the story is going to be something that people are not going to enjoy, but just if you look at the gameplay, it doesn't look very Gears of War. It's all, it looks like it's just a you know, like an uncharted, you, you don't, there wasn't a lot of gunplay. You had Kate was swinging around the big uh, baseball bat or whatever and knocking out creatures. But where's like the tactical, you know, shoot shooter that we, we know and love. So I'm hoping that this was just a, a moment out of the game. A few moments that in the greater scheme of things are, are not what we should be concerned about, but this game does have me concerned. And they do have a lot in store for the Gears franchise. As I mentioned, a tactical RPG, similar to what we saw with Halo Wars. Of course, they've got a mobile game on the way, like I said, with their collaboration with Funko Pop. Yay. I'm so excited for that. But like other gamers as well, hardcore gamers that were commenting at the time, they weren't too excited for either, and they wanted to know more about Gears 5, but also Halo Infinite as well. Those are the bookends. But what was in the middle was also kind of concerning because they did show a lot of world premieres for video games that are going to also appear on other platforms, Devil May Cry 5, Dying Light 2, and so many others. Yes, we did get a Forza Horizon 4, which looks pretty good. But I really think a Project Gotham Racing reboot could have garnered even more interest into that Cuphead DLC, which is going to be coming out next year. Also, you have a new Battletoads on the way, which to me is not very exciting at all since I really didn't care for the previous Battletoads iteration. And there's quite a few other things that came out. The big announcement to me during that whole thing was that Microsoft has acquired or created five new studios the most prominent among them being Ninja Theory, also the developer for We Happy Few. They did finally purchase the the Forza Creators Playground Studios, who are actually going to be creating another IP on top of that. They are making an effort to try and improve the Xbox brand, but the thing still is to me, Josh, is that they don't really have a lot of big things that are coming on the way anytime soon, which to me is what they really needed because they really had an opportunity this year to really pounce on the video game marketplace. They were good and bad. They got a lot of console exclusive at launch materials, uh, Devil May Cry 5, amongst them, which actually looks really cool. I was wondering if they were going to, you know, if they're going to follow Ninja Theory's game or if they're going to just make a true to true to the series sequel. And it's cool to see Nero out there. And the game, I love, maybe this was just a trailer, but I love that it looks so much less anime than the original titles did. It actually looks very real, very dark, and like this time it actually has a compelling story because you see Nero get his arm ripped off, and that was kind of what gave him his abilities to like reach out and grab things, slam into the ground like he did in the number four. So I'm, I'm excited to play it. I, I was, I've been waiting for that for a long time. Yeah. I mean, Cuphead DLC looks interesting. I, I love the idea of uh, what was it? Jump force that was bringing all the Funimation characters together. That was cool. Let, let me ask you this. Do you think that it'd be fun if Bandai, instead of making just a straight up 
fighting game that they made something where you had to go through an open world and play through a story. And then the fighting games were kind of like battle screens, like final fantasy had. Well, I think that would be a market improvement over what we have seen so far from them. So yeah, I agree with you on that. The trailer for the latest kingdom hearts, kingdom hearts three, which is finally a reality as far as a set date early next year. So it is coming to consoles for sure, for sure, for sure. It looked okay. You know, a lot of people were like, okay, yes, I played Kingdom Hearts back in the day, but eh, I may give it a try, I may not. So it didn't seem to wow anybody. And that's the thing I saw as an overall theme, even with the new Tomb Raider and and so many other games that they announced there, along with the other ID at Xbox independent games that they're also coordinating with as well, is that there was nothing that really surprised, shocked, or enlightened people there maybe outside of Cyberpunk 2077, but that didn't even garner a wild type atmosphere, especially after an hour and a half of watching game trailers. Division 2, there was just so many other titles that were good there, but nothing really that stood out that made you say, wow, I got to go and get an Xbox One right now. Well, it's weird that you say that, because if you read a lot of the comments on like Polygon and IGN on the, the little the scrolling comments, a lot of people are saying, hey, this is making me want to go out and get an Xbox. They had some cool stuff. It looks like a lot of it is in the very early stages of development because you can kind of see it look glitchy. And I know this time it wasn't just Twitch or whatever, making everything look really glitchy on the screen. But it was nice to see they had their big franchises. I'm excited for Cyberpunk 2077. PUBG, you know, that that's... I don't know, like, why... Is there an interest in console players to keep going with that? Or is that, I thought that's like a a PC. Remember, Xbox has made a market investment in it. They were bundling it just recently, which you can still find out there as far as a bundle with player unknown battlegrounds. Yes, they're they're obviously going to bring a new mode to it to bring excitement to it, even though you can play Fortnite, which is at this point in time a much bigger game than PUBG. But PUBG is still, even if it's a number two Battle Royale game out there, it still has a very large audience, which Xbox is trying to tap into. The one other thing I want to talk about is Xbox Game Pass. Why spend so much time on the fast access process? I mean, that's something they could have announced at a later point in time, especially if it's not a update that they're having right now. It's coming out later this month. That I didn't need to hear. I just needed to hear what they have, what they're bringing out, and what's coming soon to Xbox Game Pass that wants to make me buy it. And then also reiteration of the price so that people that don't have it can understand what a great deal and a great concept it is. That, to me, would have been more interesting than spending this four or five minutes with this fast access process that they're getting, which is great, which is fine. I'm sure it's a great feature when it finally comes out. But that's what you have when you have individuals that are not able to go ahead and really just emphasize how good these products are. Yeah, but I mean, in all honesty, I am okay now with paying the the monthly fee for Game Pass because they're there is content that is being promised that I will be interested in playing. One last thing, my friend, when we're talking about Xbox, I want to ask you this, Josh, all in all with the Xbox conference, what were your thoughts on it? If you give it a letter grade, what would it be? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Your thoughts overall on the Xbox conference, go for it because I think I'm going to do that as well. I give it an eight. It delivered 
enough to save Xbox. So about it be right. Yeah, it delivered enough to keep the fans happy and maybe bring on some new ones, but it didn't give us everything they want. I know that's a that's a tall order, anyways. I'm gonna give a passing grade to Xbox, but I'm not gonna be as high on it as you are. I give it about a C C plus. I'm gonna give it a C plus, and I'm gonna tell you why. Yes, they did announce that Gears and a Halo is on the way. They did have some pretty good exclusives. And the fact that they're acquiring five new studios shows a commitment to the gamers that they're in this for the long haul. But when it comes right down to it, the biggest thing about it and the why they only get a C-level grade for me, a C-plus, of course, is that they should have had more games that were ready to go this year that were big, that are going to attract a large audience, that are really going to get people to buy the Xbox One system now. They were supposed to go ahead and have this opportunity now to go ahead and really reel in gamers away from the Switch and away from the PlayStation 4. They had that opportunity, and I think they passed it on by. I will say that Bethesda in its conference pulled out all the stops with Elder Scrolls 6, Wolfenstein Youngblood, and Doom Eternal being announced, along with a brand new IP Starfield on the way think that the Bethesda conference gets much higher marks for what they have coming for gamers in the future. What are your thoughts on the Xbox and Bethesda conference? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, humanica media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Quick shout out to Oceans 8 for winning the weekend at the domestic box office with over $40 million beating the early expectations. Hereditary did do the best opening ever for A24 with $13 million of its own. But Hotel Artemis hmm, looks like it will be a quick entry to the home video market with a disappointing $3 million. If you got a chance to check out Ocean's 8, Hereditary, or even Hotel Artemis, share your thoughts with us on it as well. Coming up next, we've got Raw McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. Greg Hall and Douglas Hoyabu talking some E3 2018. And Josh and I will be on the back end talking the sequel to A Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. This is Gerald, coming right back at you. I want to thank you so much for tuning in again for today's program. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the man behind Rob McCallum Films. you got to check out everything at robmccallumfilms.com. All of his great projects, his great stuff going on, including Box Art, the documentary, Power of Skull, and so much more. It's my good friend. It's Rob McCallum. What's going on, man? Same thing as always, living life with a big smile on my face and digging a lot of the news that's coming out of the pop culture sphere. So it's always nice to look forward 
to sit down and chat with my good friend, Gerald Glassford. And there's so much to talk about in pop culture. So pray tell, Rob, what's going on in your world when it comes to pop culture? Pray tell you I will. We're going to revisit some topics and subjects that we've set up in previous episodes of the Cosmic Crossfire, which is always nice when you can have a setup and a payoff. So previously on the Cosmic Crossfire. Previously on the Cosmic Crossfire, Rob and Gerald talked about the new documentary, Making Fun, the story of Funko, back in a November 2017 edition. Now, they're back to tell you their thoughts, or at least Rob is, and maybe Gerald, but probably not, so definitely Rob. <laughs> did you did you watch Making Fun? It recently landed on Netflix. It is, of course, the story of Funko, makers of Wacky Wobblers, and of course... The pop culture phenomenon at nauseum now, Funko Pops. Well, I did see a Weird Al Yankovic Funko Pop the other day, courtesy of our friends at the ESO Network. So I thought that was kind of cool. But yes, it is almost to the borderline ad nauseum when it comes to Funko Pops. But I have not had a chance to see the film as of yet. But yes, I've seen the trailers, gotten a little bit of background on it. And it seems like something that was inevitable about somebody actually doing something detailed with the Funko Pop community and, and actually the, the company that started it all. Yeah, it just seemed like it was a natural. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things that the lens was going to be turned on to for uh, a little bit more depth and discussion. This was definitely not what I thought it was going to be in, in a lot of regards. First and foremost, when you see the synopsis on Netflix, and I didn't see it till after the fact, it, it gives you a little bit more breakdown of what you can expect. Uh, and that's the heavy involvement of fans and collectors of the Funko community. The thing that threw me for a loop was it, it seemed to be more about the community and the collectors and the fans than the company. Now, that said, the first 20 minutes of the film, I think, are, are really great. And I think the last 20 minutes of the film are really great because that's really company-focused stuff about who started it, how they got started, where their big breaks came from, the inner workings of the company, including designs and Funko, how far to go with detail, and what the next chapter of the story for Funko is, which in this case is Funko Apparel and their new Funko store in Everett, Washington. So seeing some of the groundwork laid for that and the process behind the scenes as they strive to open these new things and, and branch out was really interesting for me. I Collections and stuff are cool. I made Nintendo Quest, I did the Power Tour, you know, He-Man, we, we delve into collections, but there's only so much of that I can take in with Funko and Pops in particular because a lot of them look so similar. And that's my big downfall I have with them. I only really want the unique ones. I'm not super impressed by some of the collections. That said, there are a ton of notable celebrities in this. The filmmakers spared no expense when it came to traveling. You know, they are in the Philippines. They were in Japan. They were all over North America. They had Alice Cooper. They had Kirk Hammett. They had Zack Ryder. They had just a ton of ton of celebrities involved casually. They had Kevin Eastman. But the problem with some of these celebrity appearances is it didn't seemingly fit in any overall structure we would just get kind of chapter after chapter of, okay, here's Alice Cooper talking about Pops, and here's Kirk Hammett, and here's this. And they'd only be for maybe a minute at a time. So they only spent maybe a couple hours with each of these people and boiled down what they said into a few sound bites, and that was that. And it was like, well, look who we got now, and look who else is into Pops. You don't have to convince me about the popularity of Pops. I get it. You can just show one retail wall, and I get it. You know, you can show me the breadth of licenses you have, and I get it. Show me more about the inner workings of the company. The funny thing that, that occurred to me is when I was talking to Tanya about making fun, the story of Funko, I said, you wouldn't believe the current CEO's office. 
It's a huge room. He's got collectibles everywhere. And this one cabinet where they interviewed him for the latter half of the film, out of focus in the background, with glass cabinet, awesome lighting. I'm like, I think those are Masters of the Universe figures. And when they panned away and they did kind of B-roll of him talking with uh, the guys from Comic Book Men, you can see all these mint-on-card he-man figures and that's when i was getting excited because then that's something i can connect to a little bit more and this is a collection thing that has nothing to do with funko so you can see that the ceo is definitely uh you know steeped in the collecting universe and all the different things he likes to collect he-man just being one of them so it's not his actual products that he himself actually makes and you'd think in his office he would actually have basically well, he does he does have funko props or or pieces on his desk like he had battle armor skeletor and he-man on his desk next to a few other things but his, his office is more about the stuff that he likes to collect and he grew up with and the things that have inspired him. He, at one point, had the largest collection of vinyl Hanna-Barbera characters, vintage, the OG stuff. So everything from Huckleberry Hound to Fred Flintstone, the Jetsons, all that stuff, Wacky Races. That's oh, like kind of his Wacky passion. Races. Oh, I know. The, I mean, they really need to come out with that as a movie or at least a TV show. Again, if there's anything that needs to be reboot, it's that. I mean, wouldn't that perfectly fit the Teen Titans go, Thundercats, a style and approach like wacky races. So there it I is. Agree. I'm throwing out there another million dollar idea, but that's my impressions on making fun. The story of Funko. I don't know if that gives you enough to kind of draw upon Gerald or what you were expecting. Was it even high on your list in terms of something you wanted to watch or was it just something that you might get around to on a rainy day in the desert? I would say in the rainy day in the desert, because if I watch it, then it might take and sap all the enjoyment out of the few Funkos I have, because I have Captain America, I also have Nathan Drake and a couple others, but seeing them and the charm that they have is fine, but when you see every single store have at least some type of smattering of them, whether it's a big, huge aisle devoted to it, or whether it's even the local liquor store or whatnot have a few that they want to pawn <laughs> off on you that it's just amazing to see that how far this has gone and the fan has, has already been out there and there's so much that they've already covered when it concerns pop culture celebrities and characters that they can actually make create and actually distribute out there now they have choices whether they go ahead and they distribute a certain character into a larger extent, into a broader retail format, or do they make it just a, a character that maybe they'll distribute on a limited basis? That I, I wanted to know a little bit more about. What types of characters do they make the call on when, they, when they're going ahead and thinking about that process? Like, And, instance, and they really don't get into any of that, those details. And, and that's something all about, I want to know. And that's I agree. Take Weird Iankovic. Okay, he, he's a Funko Pop that we'd mentioned earlier in the segment. Is he a limited figure? Is he a broader reach figure? Is he a retail mass market figure? How do they make those decisions? That's what I wanted to know. And the big question I wanted to know coming out of this is what's the future for Funko Pops as an entity now that you've pretty much covered the broad spectrum of pop culture with so many characters already, has it played itself out? And is there anywhere else left to go when it concerns the Funko Pops themselves? Yeah, and you would think that a documentary that focused so much on collecting would maybe get into some of the nitty-gritty of that. The only thing they really talked about in terms of exclusivity and rarity was some of the Funkos that get handed out at their big Christmas event where you'd have to go and line up and be there in person or like with their big star opening. 
and probably some limited stuff that's at the store itself, though they never went into any details. They never really talked about the retail reach, the decisions, the licensing decisions, why they're trying to get what brands and the order that they're trying to get or the difficulties in getting brands. There's discussion about the first CEO really wanted to get the Star Wars license. And when he got it, it was a certain thing and it was pretty crazy. And one of the designers talks about how when he was six years old, his grandpa said, you know, maybe one day you can design an R2-D2. And he ends up designing an R2-D2 Funko Pop. So it came full circle for him, which was really cool to see. But there it really isn't any in-depth exploration to understanding the corporatization or the mass thinking behind the collectability of it. And that, and that would have been a little bit more interesting for me than rather just hearing how all these people like Funko Pops with their collections in the background or what their, their thoughts on, on it was. And that's just, like I said, the future of the, of the actual Funko Pop is uncertain because of the fact that there's, as new things in pop culture being created, yes, you can actually go ahead and distribute that, but it's only going to be a limited few because you've covered so much already. So what is the future going to be like for Funko Pops? That's what I'm more curious about at this point in time. Well, I'm, I'm sure for a host of reasons, they didn't want to do any predictions or do anything to sour anybody's enjoyment of it. But I got to tell you, like you said, you don't want to be soured. And I think that once you realize how mass produced these things are and the vastness of people's collections, you won't feel like the things that you're buying for the reasons you like are special. I don't feel like Funko Pops are special or even touch that special place in me anymore because they're everywhere. It's nauseating. It's it's past the tipping point of cool, cute, and unique. And for them to do something else to get me back into it would have to be something on, on a limited deal on a brand that I don't even know what other brands would be left, to be honest, at this point, because almost everything is out there. So I would love to see Funko kind of start something else and, and see what they can do with it. Business reasons, pops are huge for them. They would obviously want to go back after that model, but I don't know what they could do. I'm certainly interested to see where they go as a company. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm done with pops. I've got my Dark Crystal, my Labyrinth, my DuckTales, my Darkwing Ducks, and my Ghostbusters, and that's it. I'm good. No He-Man, no Skeletor? Uh, My son has He-Man and Skeletor, battle armor versions of both, but that's it. I got my name. I I didn't even buy them. I didn't even buy them. That's how done I am. I just got to get a shepherd, and then I think I'm done. I'm really tempted by getting a sprocket from Fraggle Rock and maybe Uncle Traveling Matt, but even that, I was like, you know what? I don't need this. I, I just, I'm good. Uh, like I said, I just got to get a shepherd from Mass Effect, and I'm done. You got to get it. You have to get it. Well, I would like to, It's but it's not life-threatening. Right. Once again, Rob, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, and of course, a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with the program. This is Gerald.
E3 2018, we're looking so forward to it as gamers, as consumers on what these various video game companies are going to be announcing. And well, if they haven't announced it already, my gosh, there's so much that's already been announced so far. But I want to talk to gamers and, and their thoughts and ideas about what things they want to see coming out of E3, because E3 still holds a special place in all of our hearts when it comes to gamers and how important that is to the society known as gamers. So I got someone right here to talk about it, someone who really is in the know when it comes to video games. He is one of the hosts of We Podcast and We Know Things. You got to check it out today, and that's going to be on CastBox, iTunes, Spotify, and so many other different outlets just like ours. It is Greg Hall. Great to have you on the program today. Thank you. Really appreciate being here. Looking forward to the conversation. I did want to go ahead and and bounce off what you were talking about, Xbox Game Pass. Anybody who has that service can go ahead and play that game initially upon its release. It's every Microsoft game. So even Crackdown 3 is going to benefit from that. By the way, that's a brilliant move by Microsoft. That's $10 a month. Like you said earlier about value, that's where Microsoft can come back on from a revenue perspective is they do offer some insane value from both a hardware and kind of a service, you know, pay for service kind of content. They are really, really good there. They are. And I'm scared because when it comes to Nintendo, because I've always been a vocal detractor when it comes to their online service because actually for many years they didn't even know what that was <laughs> and you know they're they're going to start charging people for it later this year and they're going to try and provide an experience that will create that outside of Fortnite which you and I believe will be coming very soon to the platform and I think they're going to have a create experience outside of even Super Smash Brothers Brawl but I think it's going to have to be something else. I know speculation has also Metroid possibly being involved, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But the experience online has been superior with Xbox. PS4, the PlayStation, I will give them props. They have done a very, very good job with what they're doing. And the PlayStation Network has really been leaps and bounds over what they were doing in the PS3. So it's now almost at a par with each other, but the bonuses and values are still there with Xbox One. And the thing is, that's still not getting across to gamers because time and time again, we still see the PlayStation 4 and the Nintendo Switch selling in much larger, greater numbers than the Xbox One. Yeah, and you know, to your point, you, you said that the PSN PlayStation Network has kind of grown leaps and bounds from where it was. And while I agree with you 100%, they crush it when it comes to flash sales and the the value that I've saved so much money just by being a PSN member. Well, they model themselves after Steam. Right, they sure do. And that's a beautiful model to to go after and, and to kind of replicate. But where they needed that work mostly was every other week they were getting hacked. So you have a lot of people that were paying $60 a year for what? to potentially get your credit card information stolen. So they had to almost rebrand their PSN. I think they've had some hits. They've had some misses. But for either of those, and you can even kind of start to throw Nintendo in there when they do eventually hit in September. I'm with you. We have no idea what that's going to look like in terms of trust and netcode and all of that. Who knows what that's going to look like? If I'm playing Smash with lag, there's just no point for paying $20. But those free games you get every month, whether it be PSN Plus or Games with Gold, even on the off months, that's still a great value. And there are people out there that will complain. 
I, I always say at work, if I gave you $10,000 raise, you'd complain about the taxes. I think about that similarly here is you're getting free games. You're really going to complain about the quality? Just wait for next month. So yeah, the online infrastructure is for everywhere. We're in a good spot right now in 2018 when you look at it from where it was 10 years ago or with the uh, Ethernet jack dial-up. But um, I'm, I'm with you. I think we're in a good spot, and it's only going to look better. Is Nintendo going to drop the ball? They kind of already did with this voice app that is just pure trash. Really love just the party chat system. But, you know, I'm, I'm with you. We have a lot of ways we can go in a really bright future for the online infrastructure world. And to Nintendo, please, when you announce the whatever it is you're going to be doing, that you're going to be starting charging people for online, ditch the friend codes thing and start going with actual names. Because this whole interview, I've been trying to type in Greg's friend code number, and it's, I'm still going through it because it's so long. <laughs> it's just it to me it's just been nonsensical from the get-go and it shows that nintendo really didn't have a vision when it came to online it's just saw it as something that was there now they want to get into it because they see a value of it i do not share the same faith that you do when it comes to nintendo's online experience being good they're going to have to prove it to me because they've shown that they've been really far behind and and even if they come to anywhere near a semblance of Xbox Live or PlayStation Network, that would make me thrilled because at this point in time, to me, it's like a show me time. You know, you need to really show me that you really know what you what you're doing when it comes to an online platform because you've got everything else down right except for the online deal. And to me, that could be a crucial key to if you want to continue to sell Nintendo Switches in the future. Two quick points about that. The first point would be to your point of you you are going to need to see it to believe it almost with the Nintendo, this is the first time they're charging. So we've had it for free forever. It's the only console that gave us free online play since 2008 or before. I think now that they're ready to start to charge us, even if it's smaller fee, like 20 bucks, it's still a monetary charge. And so, so I have to think that some infrastructure is there. That's why it's almost like a innocent until proven guilty concept with them. The second piece I never want to live in a world again, to your point about the friend code stuff, where I have to take a picture of my Switch and send you a text message just so you can be my friend. And you also have to pass a typing test just to be a Switch partner with me. I'd hold, rather- on, hold on, Greg. Hold on. Just type in the last number now of your code. And there you go. All right. All right. <laughs> Sweet. You finally found me. You can find me on Splatoon a little bit later. But do you remember when they announced the online, they said that we're going to get 20 games for the NES that you can play online, whether it be co-op or whatever. Yes, I remember that, which, again, brings up another point. People are very upset that they are continually being reluctant to bring out the revised version of the old virtual console, one of the few things the Wii U did correct. That's correct. Even though the Wii U virtual console was hot trash in terms of emulation, the Wii's was actually really good. The Wii U's had a third of a second to about a half second delay. And as a speedrunner, I can't play on the Wii U Virtual Console. I lost a lot of good runs on that console. They only even the concept of it was there because it, with yeah. the Wii U, obviously there was a lot else going wrong. But sure. at least they had the, at least they had a Virtual Console still yep. there. At this point, Nintendo has said outright that they don't want the Virtual Console in the future. Right, and and they may rebrand it. Who knows? I, I, you know, my guess is as good as yours. They only announced the first ten games. Uh, of this, you know, NES on Nintendo Switch Online service. I have the other 10 games that I think are going to be announced for this. 
I would love it if I saw Kid Icarus, Contra, the original, not Super C, Mega Man 2, I'll take Mega Man 3, Tetris, Excite Bike, Bubble Bobble, Jackal, either one of the Double Dragons, the original Castlevania, and my favorite, the Forgotten Son, Starman himself would be proud, NES Pro Wrestling. If those 10 games get announced as the other 10, or any just a few of them, I'm actually going to start to be more excited because we don't know what those other 10 games are at this point. Excellent choices. They're all excellent choices. I like the NES Pro Wrestling at the last. It's such a good game. It's so yes. underrated. I remember it well. Once again, I have Greg Hall with me. He is from the We Podcast and We Know Things podcast, and you can get it on CastBox, iTunes, Spotify, and you know, like us, over 30 different major audio outlets. I will ask you one last question before we head on out. Your thoughts on some of the other things that you're looking for when it comes to E3 2018 that's not the Sony, Xbox, Nintendo primarily type of deal, whether it comes from third parties. Obviously, more footage of Red Dead Redemption 2 would be great, but there's obviously a lot more when it comes to third parties now that they're such a major part of E3. Yeah, and a lot of people have been calling them the other guys. Uh, I'll jump on board with that, if you will. The difference right now for me is Rockstar hasn't been at an E3 in years. I don't think we're going to get any Red Dead 2 footage, which is a shame because I can't freaking wait for that game. But yes, I do have some third-party things that I'd like to see. Would love to see the Bioshock or the Borderlands game come back. Already touched on that. But we have a huge opportunity to get a release date. Heck, even a window for Kingdom Hearts 3. A lot of people are kind of lost in the story. There's Kingdom Hearts 8.6 HD 1-2 remastered, click, click, clack, clack. And I don't, I don't mess with all that. I just like the 1 and the 2 on PS2. But I would love to see Kingdom Hearts 3 make a huge comeback with a gameplay trailer, tie it into Wreck-It Ralph 2 because Ralph Breaks the Internet's coming out. We saw Ralph kind of teased in an image. Let's bring out a trailer with him in there, hype the game up. The movie just got a new trailer, so you have an opportunity there. I'm trying to think of any other off the top of my head Disney franchises, but I'd, I'd be cool with just Wreck-It Ralph. To your point, don't see... Anything with the Final Fantasy VII, I think that's more of a PSX. For the 13th time, we had an Assassin's Creed game leak early. 13 Assassin's Creed games. This one's Assassin's Creed Odyssey. No, not Mario Odyssey, the superior game. We're obviously going to see like a trailer for that. And the other third party that I would say, the last one, would be, I want to look forward to this game. I want this game to be amazing. But it's EA, so I don't trust it at all would be Anthem. It looked so good last year, but they're incorporating like social media into it and just kind of weird little things. And again, it's EA. If I have to pay $25 every other month for some dumb microtransaction, I'm not into that. So uh, while I would love to be hyped on Anthem, I'm just quite not there. Neither am I. Plus the way that they left the Mass Effect series behind, I would say they need to focus on trying to restore the goodwill of the franchise because the Mass Effect franchise can be saved. Hey, I know it's really not in their nature to do this, but EA should try to go ahead and announce that they're doing a remake of the Mass Effect trilogy and uh, sell it in a bundle as something that they should do to try and build good faith towards another Mass Effect series. But that's just me. Clap, clap, clap on that one. I have a confession to make here. I've never played a Mass Effect game and always wanted to. 
Oh, Never you did. are missing out because they are great adventures. Yes, there's some dated issues with them at this point in time, but they are incredible adventures to go through. Even three is up until the ending point where you choose your own ending. But definitely one and two are actual stellar games in the series. It's the reason why I have Shepard always guard me from the back here in the studio. I will say this, that if they go ahead and announce a reimagining or a remake of the Mass Effect trilogy, just an HD upgrade, even if something is just simple as that, I think they could restore a lot of the goodwill and the good faith of the consumers when it comes to Bioware. And that will not only help a future Mass Effect down the road, but it will also help Anthem, which will sorely need it because there's still a lot of, like you, like you, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of, eh, I don't know, I don't know, around there uh, in regards to the game you know, that's going to be coming out in the first part of next year. So definitely some, some great words there as far as your thoughts, Greg. Once again, it is Greg Hall. you got to check out his show. Well, you know what? I'll ask you, Greg. I want to hear your thoughts. Why do people need to check out We Podcast and We Know Things? I'm glad you asked. Uh, We are two best friends who've known each other for over 20 years who were in a grocery store one night and said, let's do a podcast. I had the pleasure of doing one for about eight years before, well, a couple over about eight years before this. and, And we are... You know, we are real. That's what we're going to give you an uncensored, fresh look at everything in the nerdy world. We are basically spreading the good word of nerd one episode at a time. So please check us out. Uh, it doesn't get more real than us. So thank you so much to everybody who's listened to this. And we hope to, to have you come over and listen to us. I've listened to a couple episodes already. It is definitely a must listen and is now part of my subscribe list. And you're definitely going to have to do the same. Because it is We Podcast and We Know Things available on CastBox, iTunes, Stitcher, and so many other various audio outlets. Tell you what, Greg, it's been great talking E3 with you. I would love for you to come back on the show any point in time to talk more, not only about video games, but like you said, anything going on in the realm of pop culture. You're always welcome back and, and definitely would love you to have it again be a part of what's going on right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Should we try to No, I just feel like dancing to the music every time I come <laughs> to the store. Uh, we're back again. It's Gerald from the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here along with my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend, although don't tell Nicole that, of Retro City Games, the leader in video games right here in Southern Nevada. It's Douglas Hoyabu. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again. Oh, always a pleasure. I know I can't track down Nicole because tracking down her is extremely difficult to get her on the show. I've only done it a couple times, uh, so I think I'll just save that for, for uh, another rainy day. But your thoughts, you both are going to E3. You're excited. Is this something that you're, you're really just amped up for? Because you're now a veteran of, what, three <laughs> E3s now? Yes, yeah, so in my third year going, or our third year going. 
it's always exciting. It's it's always exciting seeing what they announce beforehand, what they announce during it, seeing what they tell us and they don't tell us type of thing. All the speculation, I think, is is most of the fun with it. You know that that guessing game that you play on: Are they going to reveal this? And how much are they going to show? Is that gameplay? Is it not? <laughs> exactly. Is, is that Final Fantasy VII remake ever going to happen? It, you know, there's so many Shenmue three. There's so many other things that are out there that that they're Crack still down. in Crackdown three. <laughs> exactly. So. I want to ask you this. Is there anything in particular you're targeting to when you're down there? Or are there any other games specifically you, Nicole, or or what you're targeting when you go down there to E3 2018? So uh, we already have an interview lined up with uh, Gearbox. And I'm excited to see them. They've been talking about a multiplayer shooter they're working on. As well as, I mean, a new Borderlands. And I guess rumored uh, the Bioshock-esque type of thing. They haven't really confirmed if it's Bioshock or not. I don't know. I'm excited just to to see what's announced. Um, I want to see what the new Smash is about. That's a big thing for me. I want to know. They haven't really told us. Is it a is it a standalone game or is it an update? Is it a port? What what exactly it is? But I think Smash is actually one of the things I'm most excited for. I think that's what just what they're going to call it. Just Smash. Smash. <laughs> Smash right there. Smash Five. Smash Five. Well, I don't know. That's kind of. I'm, jo- I'm joking. Not even Nintendo would do that. Yeah. I think it's just Smash or whatnot. But. I know there's a lot of things going on down there when it comes to all the different vendors and all the different conferences that you know we're, we're going through and we have to see. But when you're down there experiencing E3, is there any place that you target frequently? Is there any place that you would like to go ahead and visit while you're there? I mean, give everybody the layout what you guys are targeting when you're heading down there for, not just the big ones like Nintendo or Gearbox. Well, it's interesting this year, I was looking at the uh, the layout map and they've changed things a little bit. It looks like they're very heavily focused on the indie side of things, but in doing so, and the streaming side, it looks like uh, Facebook, Google, Twitch, and Mixer are all going to have a presence there. And it seems like in that was in lieu of companies like Natsume and stuff like that that are noticeably not going to be there this year. Because that's been a case over the past few years as more and more video game companies are pulling out of E3. And like you said... Maybe that's part of the reason why that E3 has gone to a more public event where you can buy tickets. But like even that, on top of that, all these entities from the social media side talking about streaming and things of that nature going ahead and being part of E3 now as well. I mean, last year there was a small booth for the grand opening of Mixer, mm-hmm. and we got to talk to one of the creators of that. But it wasn't probably going to be near the extent of what you're expecting at E3. Definitely, and um, it seems like they're moving in a lot more peripherals. Hyperkin's going to be there, Video Game Museum. I saw, I, I butchered this, but it's Bloody Gaming. I believe they make the keyboards and mouses. They're going to be there. And they've all kind of moved to the room. And there's, two, there's two halls, the South Hall and the West Hall. And the, there used to be the big three, where Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft were. And that's kind of split. Microsoft kind of pushed itself into the other room to separate itself, which was good and bad. It was They moved themselves next to like Ubisoft and Square and things like that. And that room has, like I said, become a little more of the, the streaming and the, the bigger game developers. While it seems like in the other room it's been pushed to where Sony and Nintendo are, you get the NIS America and Atlas and things like that. Yeah. Which always, I mean, one of my favorite games at uh, E3 last year was uh, Peach Beach Splash. Just, I mean, it controlled well, it played well. So I, I'm always excited for the smaller vendors the or smaller publishers that might make these really well-polished games that might not get the the presence they deserve or the the coverage they deserve because they are so niche. Not only do they have the Indiecade that's there that caters to the really small, tiny video game outlets, but like you said, 
they're, whether they're on the showroom floor or upstairs in all the interview booths and interview areas, there's a lot of small and mid-tier video game companies which want to also get their share of the spotlight as well. Last year in the, in the causeway was a Telltale, and they were doing talks every half hour on the new Batman that was coming out and things like that. So there's a lot to, a lot to take in and a lot of little things. I know Hideo Kojima is doing talks this year over in the Coliseum. I know Microsoft is going to have a... I think it's a Microsoft Live or an Xbox Live-like area where they're going to be streaming and having tournaments the whole time, and that's off-site. I know a couple of the interviews we're doing are off-site in hotels, which have multiple different developers there. You be careful like it, now, man. It's, it's getting... It's, it seems like while there's a few different companies there now, it seems like it's expanding every year to just more and more. I remember last year it was a little... A little compressed, let's say. You know what I mean? And I think moving some things off-site, which is all within walking distance. I mean, a few minutes here and there. Well, definitely it's going to be a great time for you both. All three of you, actually, that are representing Retro City Games. Over the course of the next few episodes, few weeks and whatnot, we're going to be showing and hopefully being able to display via listening as well all the great things that you three are going to be going down there for and talking to and, and meeting up with. So... Looking forward to seeing what you're what you're going to be able to check out while you're there. But any last thoughts before you head down there to that long drive known as E3? <laughs> Not looking forward to the drive, but uh, I'm, I'm always excited for E3. I can't wait. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait for it either. I know I'm going to be on pins and needles with the conference that are come out. Nicole, any words? Okay. Again, uh, got to go ahead and get that rain check one of these days on, on getting her onto the show one more time. But... I know I will at some point in time. But it's definitely great to have you three going down there to E3 this coming week and also to be able to share it with our show over the next few episodes. Thanks so much for your time. And, of course, if you're in the southern Nevada area, you've got to go ahead and check out Retro City Games. Tell us why, Doug, you want to check out. Why would you want to? Why do you want to come here? Because we're the best game store in Nevada. Of course. Of course. There is no better place to go for video games than Retro City Games. There are literally thousands of games right here. In fact, I'm actually looking at them right now. you got to check it on out. It's Retro City Games right here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Thanks, Doug, for your time. Nicole, like I said, you're on my list. We're going to get you on here soon. Once again, Doug, thanks for so much for your time. Appreciate it. And always so glad to have all three of you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Soul Forge, a place of silent mystery, quiet contemplation, and outright mayhem. Join your host, Sean Vanderloo, as he guides you through the adventures of living. Together, we'll talk about life and love, joy and heartache, memories and loss, and so much more. Don't worry, it's not nearly as pretentious as it sounds. Get ready for life the universe, and everything on the Soul Forge. Soulforgepodcast.com And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald coming right back at you here with my good friend, Josh Peterson. Just got to let you know, we are on online radio seven days a week. If you want to check out the schedule on where we're playing on all those great radio stations, just check us out on our social media, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook or at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. If you like getting our latest episodes 
and bonus episodes like Extra Cosmic Crossfires, Classic Topic Ocalypse shows, or even more stuff from Humanic Media. Subscribe today and you will get our latest programs dropped to you immediately as soon as they go ahead online. Podbean or any one of the other great audio podcast outlets that we're on by just going ahead and typing in Pop Culture Cosmos and subscribing to our Pop Culture Cosmos channel. Josh, so tell me, man, I know you're going to be at E3 2018 with Humanica Media, but what else is going on in the great world of Humanica Media? Yeah, we're going to have some E3 content getting posted here, but a uh, new episode of Topic Topicocalypse. Uh, my friend Charles Smith is doing a reaction to the Stanley Cup, which you can check out soon. I'm bummed that the Golden Knights didn't go all the way over the Washington Ovechkins, but we won't go there. Josh, in our many interactions with each other over the course of the week, probably just that almost to the point where he probably hangs up his phone and disconnects his phone and internet and social media on me. But in all of our interactions this week, he said, dude, we got to talk about this because I'm really hot under the collar about this. It's the sequel to A Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, A Girl in the Spider's Web. This actually is going to include pretty much none of the stars that we saw from the first film. There is a trailer that's out. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was actually kind of good. Josh, I know, is upset with what's transpired with the sequel. Obviously, Sony wanted to go ahead with it because they loved the success of the first film, and it's always about the money, even when they say it's not. I want to hear your thoughts, Josh. You've been simmering and stewing about this now for a couple days to share this with the world. Why are you so upset with the girl in the spider's web? Because if you look at the trailer, it really has almost absolutely nothing to do with the book. They didn't show us Mikhail Blomkiss. They just showed us Elizabeth Salander acting like Batman. They even gave her a white mask to make her look like she's some kind of superhero. And this is what bothers me. This is going to make me sound really bad. But if you ever read the book, Elizabeth Salander is already awesome in that book like she's one of the best heroine characters i have ever read in my life and i'm a huge fan of the book series so i feel like i'm entitled to have this opinion but it it just to me like nowhere in the book nowhere in the book do they show the stuff in the trailer where she's fighting men who have abused women that you know that's kind of part of her characters in the book but they don't ever talk about it and it looks like this in this movie this has become such a huge part of the movie what is in the movie besides Elizabeth Salander and the title of the book. It it looks like they don't even have the characters that made the book what it was. So does it have anything to do with the book? And I guess my question to you would be, do you think that we are getting to a point where it's so important to deliver a social agenda in these movies that we're willing to sacrifice the source material for that? Well, it tells me that Sony didn't like what the source material was. It obviously tells me that whatever the source story material was that you like so much, they didn't think it was going to be marketable to a large audience. So it tells me that they wanted to go ahead, and you're right, they are capitalizing a little bit on the social agenda that's out there and the empowerment of women. And I don't find that so troubling. Obviously, domestic violence is a troubling issue in our society. I think it does need to be addressed does it really address it in a fashion where it needs to be? I, I don't know. I'll leave that up to the viewers out there. 
I'm sorry that it's not uh, pleasing to you yet. Maybe another trailer will bring more things to light and bring a more positive outlook for you. But if you're out there, you might want to go ahead and read A Girl in the Spider's Web so you can have your own thoughts on the film before it comes out to theaters. What are your thoughts on A Girl in the Spider's Web? Are you okay with the trailer that came out with? Are you excited to see the film after seeing the trailer? Or are you like Josh that you're upset that not only the characters but the subject matter and the source material is being deviated severely from what was presented in the books share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well at popculturecosmo on twitter and of course humanica media game source and everything else that we do on social media so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day right here in the pop culture cosmos We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.